going to just dive right in. And because we're starting a nine-week Bible study on mission, I, we're going to take each chapter and preach about it on the following Sunday. And we do encourage you, it is such a great study to go with as a church together because one way to answer why does this church exist, it's God's mission. That's the only and best answer we could say, why did God put a church on 13701 Hillsboro Drive for his mission? Uh, and so we're not a club, we're not just a friend, friends gathering, we are a church of people brought together by Jesus Christ for his mission. And when a church forgets that, churches die, and they will close, and they should close because we exist for his glory. And so we're saying, God, we're not done yet because you're not done yet. And so we're seeking this in our hearts. So let's dive right in. The main idea of these uh, three parables, we're in Luke 15. And I want to just share with you that there's like the parables that we know. It's the sheep that was lost by a shepherd. It's the coin that was lost by a woman. And then, uh, and then the third one is the famous one, the prodigal son. There's a son that said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Took all the money and spent it. And then came back home and the father welcomed him. And so all of these is this idea that God rejoices whenever a sinner repents. Like we don't say that these days, do we? We say uh, someone is incomplete, someone is broken, or someone's not happy and they don't have joy in their life. So God wants to give us joy. But if you look at this parable, it's explicitly this idea. God rejoices when sinners repent and are found. They're not just simply lost, they are dead sinners. And so Jesus is uh, accentuating this. Uh, William Barclay, he basically says, uh, paraphrasing here, he says, for the Pharisees, they rejoiced when one sinner is destroyed by God, but God rejoices whenever one sinner repents and believes. So uh, Luke, we see this whole thing, I'm going to just read the first verse, um, and then here. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. The trigger of these parables was because the sinners and tax collectors were going to Jesus, and the Pharisees were saying, Why are you hanging out with these messed up people? And so Jesus knows this, and it sets off him to say these three famous parables. There was a sheep, there was a coin, and there was a son. And all three parables have this theme. Something was lost and needed to be found. What's interesting is all three of them end the same way. Something is lost, something is sought after and found, and then at the end, we, uh, we all love this part, there was a celebration. There was a party, there was a feast and celebrating. And so the three questions Jesus answers in these parables, it's this. What does it mean to be lost? Who are the lost? And then how are the lost found? Ready with? What does it mean to be lost? Who exactly are the lost? And how are the lost found? So we're going to talk about that today. So first, what does it mean to be lost? How many of you have been lost? Now, that's a funny question because doesn't, it, doesn't lost mean many different things? So, so for the youth students and college students, have you ever felt lost in class? Right? So for people working, have you felt lost in your career? 
dead-end job, right? So what does that mean? So some of you in relationships, marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend, you've been lost in your relationships. So we feel lost can mean so many different things, right? And so the word lost is broad. It could also mean what most of us may mean geographically, you don't know how to get home. Um, I don't know how, but like I'm the third best in my family with location and geography. Uh, my daughter, Michelle, and my wife are amazing. I don't know how they do it. I'm not gonna say who's the worst, but she should not drive for until she's ready. But she's, she's getting there. And I realized like, we all have like this inner clock of knowing where do we go and who's lost. Some people have a great sense of direction. But I realized even Christians can be lost. Right now, I'm finding more and more people, Christians are lost. How? They can't find a church. They're looking for the Goldilocks church, so they're going, oh, this church is great preaching, but their music is terrible. This church has got stars, tall steeple, a beautiful choir, but I don't know what the pastor's saying. This church has wonderful youth group. My kids love it, but the adults are so gossipy. So we're looking for this Goldilocks church. We're lost. And we're also lost as a Christians these days because some of us are going, I don't know how to pray anymore. I, I haven't read the Bible and I feel no desire. We're, that's a sense of lost. And so this word lost is, is broad. So let's go back to the parables. What does Jesus mean by lost? Is it a lack of, you know, is it, is it, is it anything terrible? So in terms of Jesus' parable, why are the people lost? And I want to say, you know, in, when I grew up in the Korean church, a lot of it was we're lost because we're not happy or sometimes we're lost because we're poor. This is not why Jesus came. For example, in 1990s, my home church went to mission trip to um, not Tijuana. Um, oh, my goodness, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, right, David, right outside of El Paso, Texas. Juarez, Juarez. We went to Juarez like five times. And everyone in our church was like, we're going to go to Juarez for a mission trip. Yes. And the premise of it was so subtle. But it was this. We're going there with Jesus because they are so poor. And so we go there and we're like, oh, gosh, they are really poor. The walls are cardboard. They don't even have a wall. They need Jesus. And so... The youth group kids and the college were like, we're here because they're poor and all they need is Jesus' love. And so it became a little bit confusing because, you, you answer me this, can a rich person be lost? Church, can a rich person be lost? Are you lost because you're poor? And so even well-intended mission trips, the messages were here because they're poor. And so we're going to give them a week of VBS, give them a love of Christ. We'll see you next year. Now, we want to help them in their poverty. Now, we want to share resources and help them to get stronger. But the reason why they're lost is not because they're poor. The reason we're lost is because we are disconnected from God because of sin. This is Jesus' parable. And so Jesus tells us the perspective of these parables 
If you notice, the shepherd went after the lost sheep, the woman went after the lost coin, and the father was looking for the son. How do we know that? When the son came, the father was looking out, waiting for his return. He's been looking. So they all are these beloved looking for. The perspective is not that we are lost looking for help. The parable's perspective is the person who lost the object is looking for the object. That's a different paradigm shift. It means it's God's initiative in why we're found, not the lost object saying, please find me. So, just so, Luke 15, verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What's the point? The point is the person who has sin and doesn't found, hasn't found Christ and righteousness, forgiveness is lost. And Jesus says there's rejoicing when that happens. Verse 10, just so I tell you, there is joy for the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So lost is whenever sin keeps us from God. And so the children knew. Going to New York City, going to Texas, it's beautiful. Going to even Six Flags Great Adventure would be fun if you were five years old. But then if you look up and nobody's around, the place becomes scary. The place didn't change. The person you're supposed to be with has been cut off. And humanity, we are cut off from God. That's why we're lost. We have no life apart from God. And so we do not... The biggest tragedy of this is Jesus is implying this. It's not that we're cut off from God and saying, we want to get back. Isn't this true? We don't want God in our life. We don't want some higher power telling us how to live. We want to be our own God. So we're lost, but we're so lost <laughs> because we want to make sure life is done our way. Why did Adam and Eve eat the fruit? They wanted to be like God, to know good and evil, when God has given them everything else. What is the root of your sin and my sin? It's not that we did something bad to God. We want to become like God. We are lost. So that's what it means to be lost, according to Jesus. Second question, who are the lost? Let's look at who the lost are. A coin, a sheep, a son. A coin, a sheep, a son. In other words, if you look at Jesus, he doesn't say the bad sheep with the spotted specks, the one that nobody wants. It doesn't say the, the sheep with the tattoos. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the coin with the rust on it. It's just a coin. And then the prodigal son, it's the youngest son, the cute one, the little boy. Aw. It's not the bad son who had an attitude growing up. In fact, it sounds like he was a good son, just wants to live his life. I think Jesus is implying here is, Pharisees, you look at these tax collectors and sinners and you're saying, oh, they're so lost. But let me tell you something in these parables. Everyone and anyone can and is lost. You see, going back to that Mexico mission trip that our church went to, we have this uh, Presbyterians. Can I just make fun of us a little bit as a Presbyterian? Because I'm Presbyterian. We have this smug look like, We don't do that at our church. You know, we know how to worship God. We have the right theology. We paid off this building. 
And there is a smugness, like, we, we got it together. Almost to the point where telling the world, you got to look like us and be like us if you want to be loved by God like us. So you know what we'll do? We'll kind of go to the people in the streets, those homeless, those kind of, those drug addicts. Oh, those people who are, you know, sleeping around. And here's the danger of that. We caricature, like the Pharisees, the definition of lost. Could it be possible that you could grow up your whole life in a church for 60, 70, 80 years and never know God? You betcha. And that's not my idea. That's Jesus who says to the people that said, didn't we prophesy in your name, do miracles in your name? And what does Jesus say to them? Be gone from me. I never knew you. And so lostness is not how people live and the group that they're stuck with. It's anybody and everybody. We have the potential to be lost. In fact, we are lost. In fact, we don't know that we are lost unless we genuinely check ourselves. That's why we do the prayer of confession. And so it's those who are not just disobeying the law. Listen to this. Jesus is saying those who are so proud that they're following God's law so well, they believe they're better than other people by doing it. That's lost. It's called the sin of pride. And pride is the sin that caused the devil to fall. Do you see? So the only solution is not to say some people need Jesus, not me. It's for us to all say, woe am I apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ for me. That's Christianity. That's the core of Presbyterianism, by the way. We are not saved by works. That we have nothing in us good because we're lost. But had it not been for the Savior who found me, and I grew up in upper class and went through private school, went to a nice college, I'm still lost without Jesus Christ. Yes? This is the message. And so it's not for the bad people, it's not for the ethnic people, it's not for the low-income people or the criminals. We go to the jail because we're saying, listen, the only difference between you and me is I get to be out here, but in God's eyes, I need, I need a savior just as much as you. So this past week, Tim Tebow, the football player, went to the prison, and he, he shared the gospel with them. And Tim Tebow doesn't go, if you live your life just like me, you, you will be found. You think that's the message? I think his message was, listen, <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you. Apart from the beauty and the love of Jesus Christ for me, I would be lost. Anyone can be lost. The Pharisees were, were more lost because they actually thought they were found. And they thought they were secure. But the righteousness was based on their doing. Friends in the church, I just want to preach a little bit. If you find you're standing with God because of how you have lived your life, you might be lost. Our standing before God in his eyes is simply the mercy, the blood shed, and the body broken for me in Jesus Christ, which is why we do communion. This is why I'm able to come before the throne of God and not fear his condemnation. Sinners are saved because of his grace. Lastly, how were they found? You know the answer. Can the coin find itself? Um, you know what I wanted for my birthday? Apple AirTag. You know what Apple AirTag is? It's a little device that lets you know where things lost. You know why? Because I keep losing my keys. 
And I say, kids, I want one thing for my birthday. I want a brand new car. But if you can't get that, I want an Apple AirTag. So Apple AirTag. Because objects can't find themselves, we need to find the object. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sinned. They were tricked by the serpent into being deceived into eating this fruit. And they said, wow, we, our eyes could be open? God knows you, you won't die. You know, God knows when you eat of it, you'll know good and evil. So they were tricked, and rather than listening and obeying God and trusting God, what did they do? They were enticed, and they ate the fruit, and gosh darn it, Adam just eats the fruit that Eve gives to him. And I asked men in, in my Bible study on Wednesday, why do you think going, is going on here? And they gave me the best insight. Well, isn't it true you just trust your wife? If she gives you something to eat, you don't question it. You just eat it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's true. So, women, if you ever want to poison your husband, <laughs> just kidding. Delete that from the stream, please. Um, but that was an insight. Adam was like, all right, sure, I'll eat it. But here's what happened. After they ate of it, their eyes were open. They found out they were naked. And they, what did they do? They hid. And then God came into the garden. And what does God ask? He doesn't ask, what did you do? What does he ask? Where are you? Because they are not geographically in the wrong place. They have become spiritually lost. And how do we define lost? Disconnected from the people we are belonging to. Lostness is that you and I have no life apart from God. And sin has brought in this division between Adam and Eve and humanity forever. Where are you? I'm in church. No, where are you? I'm lost in need of a savior. Um, in 1981, I was at Woodbridge Mall. Didn't speak a lick of English. Came within a year of immigrating. My parents and I were shopping in the mall, American mall. Remember the 80s? You know, all that stuff? I look up, all of a sudden, this beautiful mall became a nightmare. I was all by myself. That's the only time I was ever lost in my life. And then uh, I just did what a courageous young man did cried really loud <laughs> security guard came and I and I really realized this thing struck me hard and then they called the security they called like staff and then they tracked me down a few minutes later and I really had that insight about what does it mean to be lost it's not the place that you are it's the disconnection the place wasn't scary when I was with my dad and mom the place became scary and became unfamiliar, and I was lost when the geography didn't change. My parents' proximity did. And I think that's what's going on here with God. We are missing from the presence of God who loves us. That's what it means that the world is lost. This is why our missionaries are praying and giving up their life and serving in Nicaragua and China. They're trying to bring all people back to this relationship with God. Adam and Eve, they weren't hiding from God as if they're going to win. And God wasn't asking them, where are you? Because he can't find them. He's asking them, what did you do? 
what, did, what happened? And it got disconnected. The nakedness was an indicator of their sin, and now it became shameful. Adam and Eve were naked. What did God do? He found them. They were covering their clothes, their body with fig leaves. What did God do? He slays an animal and covers them with skin. Do you realize that this is the first time in the Bible that a creature is killed? An innocent creature that did nothing wrong was killed and skinned to cover up the shame of Adam and Eve's sin. This is the foreshadowing of what Galatians 3.27 says. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That word put on is literally you've put on and been covered with the garment of Christ. It is exact same imagery of Adam and Eve covered up by God who found them, who gave them a sacrifice so their sins could be covered. How were the lost found? Only by the garment of Jesus Christ who covers us, who was killed as an innocent lamb of God, are we found. So if someone said to you, you should go to church, you're lost, it's half truth. Church is not going to save you. Welcome. But if you're here, this message of Christ, Jesus, is the one that saves you. Going to church doesn't magically save us. Going to church reminds us of the one who did save us. And the reason why you and I are found today is not because we're more religious or better. Did you find yourselves? We were found by the one who loves us. And so the message I have for the kids, the same message for the adults as we end, God loves us so much. That God wants us so much. And God will never give up on us, ever, no matter how lost we are. Where are you? And for the church, this also means, where are we going to go? Because God is asking us to go out there to bring the lost the good news that God has come to seek and save us. Let's pray together. Lord, it's good and healthy to say we are lost. And it's great to say we are found only because you found us. That's so humbling. It's so eye-opening and refreshing to realize we are only here because of all that you've done in laying down your son and letting him be the sacrifice so that we could be found, covered up in our shame. Lord, if there's that one message that we take home today is that you're not the God who the world thinks is delights in the destruction of evil. You delight in saving of those who are lost. That's the God that we worship, that we know from Genesis to Revelation. And so we worship you. We fall before you. We say there is no one else we would give our lives to because you've given all of your life for us. Help us to grow in that grace. Help us to be comforted in that. And help us to find our identity and purpose and joy as a church and as individuals in that good news. In a moment, we're about to take this bread and drink this cup. May we take it with just expectant gladness. Oh, what a joy it is that we're reminded these are, are just 
point to the very body of Christ who gave himself for us. So, Lord, you are here with us. May we join with you. Renew us. For those who are still not in your family, draw them to you. May their hearts be glad and to believe and fully count on you. And, Lord, have your way with us. Bless us that we may be a blessing to the rest of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.